Hello and welcome to episode 12 of Mo Money Mo Houses. I am your host Jessica Morehouse and today I'm going to be interviewing Liquid Independence. That's not his real name obviously but um, that is his blogger persona and I was actually in Vancouver uh, for this interview not too long ago and we talked uh, about a few things but most specifically investing in farmland. Something that I don't think a lot of people are talking about or writing about and it seems really a great way to invest. Basically by the end of the episode I guarantee you'll probably be looking at farmland online just saying I, I will be there with you. So I'm very excited for this episode so let's uh, get to it. Thanks for joining the show, Liquid. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Um, so let's kind of start uh, from a place that I like to start from, which is the beginning. I'm always really interested in how people get interested in personal finance because most people just aren't. So what was it for you? Did, where did it start from you? When did you get really interested in I guess, financial management? I think... The upbringing we have plays a big role in mm-hmm. how we uh, look at money. Uh, from a young age, I always had a financial education kind of imposed on me. Uh, just from family, like my mom and dad, they're, they're fairly frugal. Mm-hmm. Uh, they invest a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and over time, I guess I just kind of learned from them. It wasn't until after high school, like 18, when mm-hmm. I decided to... Uh, really branch out and kind of learn about money and financial planning on my own. Mm-hmm. It just seemed like the natural thing to do because I'm an adult now and then there's responsibilities I have and money just seems to be uh, a natural part of adult life. Yeah. So, so I, that's pretty young for most people. I bet most people don't. Like, all right, now I'm going to get interested in finances right at 18 because... I don't think, yeah, I think I was like in my 20s. <laughs> so that's actually pretty a responsible adult thing for you to do right when you turn 18. It's awesome. It just, I had some savings from a part-time job. Mm-hmm. So I put that away. And of course, the natural question is, what do I do with that money? Yeah. So I went online and just did some research, uh, found out there are some options I can put it in, like savings account, GIC, uh, mutual funds. Mm-hmm. So my first uh, kind of step into the personal finance world, I guess, is just going into a bank and talking with a financial advisor. And still really amazing. I I think I just did that this year. So and buying <laughs> Props my first fund, <laughs> and it it just felt like the right thing to do because I didn't want to have money sitting there. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, and uh, I didn't have any upcoming purchases I mm-hmm. wanted to make. Um, so yeah, that's what I did. That's awesome. So you went to school after high school? Did you go to like post-secondary? I took a year uh, off mm-hmm. and then I went to, um, I was working part-time at Safeway and then I went to uh, the local university here at UBC. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> That's a little university called UBC. <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> yeah, you've probably heard of it. <laughs> um, but I only went there for one year. I studied engineering mm-hmm. and I realized it just wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. And I liked uh, the creative side a lot more. Mm -hmm. So I decided to just get out of there. And then I went to an art school instead. Which school? I can't say. You don't want to say? Okay, (laughs) I'm going to ask you later. (laughs) Because I'm an art nerd, so I always want to (laughs) know. And then so after that 
uh, I graduated after uh, one year. Mm-hmm. It was just a diploma, but mm-hmm. it was enough to get me into the door of graphic design, which is what I'm doing right now full time. Right on. Awesome. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So as you finish school and you get your first job, did kind of how you deal with money change a little bit? Did you kind of, you know, amplify things a little bit? And what, and what did you do? Yeah, for sure. Like after I got my uh, first job, uh, I really had no idea the amount of money that you know I would be making. So when I got my first paycheck, mm-hmm. it was quite a lot. I thought it was uh, you know fifteen, fourteen hundred dollars. That's that's pretty good for your first job. I'll, I'll say, yeah, that's yeah. awesome. And then so after uh, put in my bank, I just thought, you know, what's uh, what's the best thing to do here? And I looked at. Yeah, stocks and mm-hmm. houses, different things. And I decided real estate was the right thing for mm-hmm. me to do. So I went into uh, the MLS website back then mm-hmm. and I asked a few realtors about what's available and I wanted to move out of my parents' home basically. Yeah. So I saved up for one year, mm-hmm. roughly a year, and then I moved uh, into my own apartment. Damn. Like your first... Own, you owned that apartment. You bought your own place. We're in it right now. We're in it right now. Oh <laughs> yeah. my God. What year was that? I'm curious. That was 2009. Man, good year to buy, I bet, huh? Was, oh, it, yeah. was it? Yeah. It was. But the thing <laughs> was, back then, people told me to not go in. Really? Because they thought the market was going to pop. Uh-huh. And it sort of did. In 2008, uh, real estate price did come down a little bit, mm-hmm. especially. In the beginning of 2009 as well, because that was during was still the recession. The recession right? mm-hmm. Yeah, so it dropped about 10% around the Vancouver area. Mm-hmm. I guess I got really lucky because got real lucky. that's Man. when I went in. And then the next year bounced right back up. Totally. Wow. You're really lucky because it's, yeah, it's still one of, it's so funny that you mentioned that someone told, oh, don't do it. The, you know, property's going to pop or whatever. Well, people are still saying that. It's 2015, right? Yep. There's a bull, <laughs> uh, bull market in uh, Toronto real estate for mm-hmm. almost 20 years now. Yeah. So I don't uh, know what to do about that. I mean, you know, you know, we looked for a place uh, back in January and it just was crazy. And mm. we're, we're hopeful that, you know, it will pop, but uh, I don't know. It's hard probably, to say. We might, yeah, it's hard to say. You can't predict it. Lord, that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> I could talk about that for like two hours. <laughs> um, so you bought your first uh, condo, which is mm-hmm. awesome. And you've just been keeping it and paying it off. And, and, and so after that, because I know another really, like one of the things that I think is super interesting about you is you didn't just buy a condo in a little bit after that. I'm not sure when we'll get into that. Um, you bought some other type of property. Yes. So in 2012, mm-hmm. so this was a, a few years later, I decided to buy some farmland. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just because I looked at the valuations of different assets around, you know, Canada and the US and it seemed like farmland seems to be undervalued by quite a lot just relative to other things. Mm-hmm. Well, lots of people, yeah, when they think of, oh, I'm going to invest in real estate, they mainly just think of like residential, like a house or a condo or an apartment or whatever. But yeah, and people don't really think of, oh, or you could buy land in the prairies That's and right. you can make money off that. So what like how did you learn about that? Cuz that's something I find it so fascinating that you are doing this because I don't know if anyone else blogs or talks about this. And it's like, why aren't we all farmers right now? 
Well, I was just watching a TV one day on mm-hmm. the Business News Network, and someone just mentioned about a farm fund mm-hmm. where they buy farm property and then they rent it out and they collect cash, and they are seeking for investors. Uh, it's a pretty common in the uh, exempt market uh, area. So I thought, well, that's interesting. I've never thought about mm-hmm. going to farmland, but it is technically a property. It is, yeah. There's, like you said, residential and farmland. There's also commercial. Mm-hmm. There's no reason why, as investors, we should uh, limit ourselves to just residential. Mm-hmm. So I looked into what the prices uh, were back then uh, of farmland, what kind of cash return you can get on it, uh, what the risks are, um, and does it make sense for someone like me? So with my long-term investment horizon, uh, it, it seemed like a good fit. Mm-hmm. So I looked first in BC because that's yeah. where, where we live. Yeah. Um, but there wasn't any suitable places here. Is it really expensive to buy farmland in BC? It's really expensive. Yeah. It's like $20,000 an acre. That seems expensive. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> So I went out further west mm-hmm. to Alberta, still kind of expensive, mm-hmm. you know, 5000 6000 an mm-hmm. acre. And then I went to Saskatchewan. Oh, yeah. And uh, I looked there and it's relatively cheap, yeah. uh, about seven dollars $800. Stop. Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, this was back in 2012. Oh, I wonder how much it's, well, I guess, has it changed quite a bit since you first bought yeah, it's probably gone up 50, 60%. Well, that sounds pretty damn good. Since then. Yeah, so the reason um, it, Saskatchewan's actually the, still is one of the cheapest uh, jurisdictions to buy farmland in all of North America. Is it really? Yeah. Wow. It's just because before um, the government restricted ownership, so people mm-hmm. who were not Saskatchewans can't buy farmland there. But. Right. Um, think around 2000 or something they've opened it up so anybody in Canada can mm-hmm. go there and buy so if there's more demand this brings up the price so that's why it was really low before but now it's catching up to the other provinces right and still probably lots of people aren't aware that of just like how good of a deal you could probably get there mm-hmm. just because before you couldn't so maybe people don't know that they can and you it, just got in again at the right time right yeah. place I guess. I mean, it was on its way up, but I got in and just kept going up. Um, Even today, like last year, I think uh, 2014, the uh, Farm Credit Canada does their annual farmland value Mm -hmm. report. And I think it went up um, something like 18, 14 or 18%. Wow. Yeah. It's just a different kind of investment. Definitely. Like how, I guess just from someone who has no idea what it entails, because like when you buy like a house or condo and you rent it out and you just, you know, try to um, invest that way, it's a little bit simpler. You're like, okay, well, I live in a house, so I know what needs I need to kind of provide. It's like if there's a plumbing issue, I'll have to fix that for my tenant and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But for a farm, what do you have to do to maintain that property? In terms of maintaining the property, not a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, If there's a fence, sometimes the fence um, gets broken and you might have to fix it. Depends. But uh, there's a couple of ways you can buy farm and make money from it. Uh, The first way is uh, crop share. Mm -hmm. So this is assuming like you don't farm yourself, uh, which which I don't, of course. Um, (laughs) So what you do is you rent it out to a farmer. They uh, plant the seeds Mm -hmm. and everything they harvest and Whatever they sell the crops for at market, you split that like 60 for him, 40 for you or whatever deal you make, 
The other way, which is uh, the way I'm currently investing, is through cash rent. Mm-hmm. So there is a set uh, right. price. Um, so right now it's about ten thousand dollars a year mm-hmm. that the farmer pays me, and then he can sell his crops for whatever. Or whatever he wants. And he has insurance, so if he if there's if it's a bad year for him, I still get paid. Nice. Um, his insurance pays him, so mm-hmm. there's not really any losses. What's kind of the most common way to do that, or is it just kind of both? Uh, it kind of depends on your knowledge of farming background. Like yeah. I don't know much, so I prefer cash. Which yeah, that puts, seems a little bit, yeah, that makes more way, way more sense to me. Yeah, it, it puts the risk on him, I guess, mm-hmm. and uh, less financial risk on myself. But generally, uh, crop share, you make more money. Oh, do you? Because be- he can sell his um, like crops and make like 50000 mm-hmm. just for those farmlands that I own, which is about 300 acres. Mm-hmm. So that's how much crop he can get out of that um, if he's planting canola. Right. But uh, cash rent, I think, is just better for me because I, I don't want to go there and see what his yield right. is. So you'd probably, yeah, you'd probably feel like, oh, I should probably visit once in a while, just check in. Yeah. But as, you know, what you're doing right now, you don't really, yeah. do you need to go there to check nope. it out? No. No, I, I trust him. <laughs> <laughs> he just says he, he does the work and uh, he tells me what he plants and I write it down in a journal. Yeah. And then uh, we just go from here. Every year it's the same thing. I get uh, two checks, um, once when he seeds and mm-hmm. uh, once when he harvests. Uh, and I just, yeah, deposit those checks and he does his thing and there's no problem. That, that's the nice thing about agriculture is mm-hmm. nobody's going to like walk around your place with 30 shoes. Like yeah. if they do, like who cares? Yeah. It's a farm. It's a- <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, there's no... Um, plumbing, yeah. no toilet, no sink. So it's it's very low so it's li- maintenance. It's literally just farmland. There's not like a farmhouse on there and you live no. there. Oh, okay. You, you, you could buy a farmhouse. For some reason I house. like envision this whole farm family. Yeah, you <laughs> could do that. So you can buy farms with houses on it, with right. barns, with yeah. um, silos, with different kinds of things. Yeah. Uh, I just bought just flat land Yeah, just to keep that things simple. It seems way more simple, doesn't it? It is, yeah. And, yeah. and you have like all these choices when you go look for it. I guess, yeah, because there's like farms where they have animals and stuff, and that's yeah. probably a whole other ball game. Yeah, the, the easiest way is to just uh, contact like a real estate agent mm-hmm. around the area you want to buy, and then just get updates from him or her, and they'll send you... Uh, you know, new listings. And it's the same way as buying any other property like a house. Mm-hmm. Just wait for the right opportunity, the one you like, mm-hmm. uh, and then you can just put an offer in. One yeah. of the farms I bought, uh, so so that's managing the farm. Yeah, yeah. But actually buying a farm is a little bit different. Is it? It's a little bit tricky depending on where you are. Like, did you actually go to um, Saskatchewan and, and look at property? I did just for research. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I, when I bought, I was not there. Right. And I, and I didn't see what I was buying, but mm-hmm. I saw pictures and mm-hmm. I was good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the buying process. So th- there's a few ways. You can just make an offer the traditional way. But one of the farms I bought uh, was done through an auction. Oh, so there was an auction house. I was contacted by um, my real estate agent. Mm-hmm. He says, hey, Liquid, there's this auction here. Are you interested? Mm-hmm. And I said, uh, sure, I'll, I'll see what it's about. So I got some information from him. And I, I did something called a, uh, a bid by, by proxy. Right, okay. So I wasn't there, but there were three other people there mm-hmm. bidding for the auction. But I was here in Vancouver 
Was it like they were there with the telephone like in with the movies? The phone. Yeah. Oh my God, that's amazing. So I was on my cell phone yeah. with uh, this woman who was my proxy. And so she was bidding for me. Mm-hmm. I would just tell her oh, what I so wanted cool. to do. <laughs> um, so yeah, they started the bid at about one, one thirty, mm-hmm. 130,000. And it just kept going up and up to 150 and mm-hmm. 160 until there were two of us left. Uh-huh. And... Uh, it went up to 170, which was the other guy's bid. Right. The other two uh, dropped out. Right. And then in the end, I took it for 172. Oh. Yeah. Now, just beat him. when I did my uh, value evaluate, yeah. evaluation for the farm, I, I kind of thought, well, it should be worth about 160 to 180. Mm-hmm. So I thought 172 was like an okay price. Yeah, in the middle. Yeah, the thing is, if I even if it was expensive now, it would probably be uh, cheap by next year just because of the way things are going there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was the easy part, and mm-hmm. it was really exciting when I won. Totally. So there was a lot of noise and things, <laughs> but you can hear it through the phone. <laughs> uh, but after that came kind of the more challenging part of signing the deal and getting it done. Yeah. So before doing this, uh, I made the mistake of not going to my bank first oh, okay. and asking for like a finance for a loan. Mm-hmm. So after the auction, I won. Uh, I basically signed uh, the agreement saying mm-hmm. I will buy it, and right away I have to pay the ten percent deposit, right? Um, which is seventeen thousand mm-hmm. dollars. But I didn't really have that kind of money. I had a couple thousand in <laughs> my bank account. How many people have that much money just laying around in yeah. cash? So luckily, uh, I knew I had some money in my line of credit. Yeah. So I borrowed money from there um, to cover the entire 17200 or whatever it was. And then I went to my bank with the you know proper documents, with mm-hmm. information about the farm, some pictures. Uh, and I told the guy at TD who um, I got the loan from, mm-hmm. and I said... Here is what I bought. Can you please give me a loan? <laughs> Here is uh, what money I can expect to make from it. Yeah. And he said, sure, um, we'll do it for you. And uh, the, the process takes about two months usually. But the uh, uh, purchase agreement I signed mm-hmm. was three months because okay. I thought just in case. Yeah, no, that's smart. And you know, it's also in a, another province, so it might be a little more time-consuming, mm-hmm. and the seller who did the auction, um, who sold his farm to me, he wanted to take a trip to Mexico afterwards. Okay. So, But we thought like three months was good and he'll get the money and then he'll be on his way. So it wasn't until um, a couple months in that I you know, really looked at my account and I didn't really have the down payment, like the full down yeah. payment. Because the bank said they will lend to me, but only up to 70% mm-hmm. or 75 So that means I had to have another $25,000. Yeah. So from the time that I purchased it to like three months later, I had to somehow save 25000 Holy crap. But if I, even if I saved 100% of my salary, yeah. it, it wouldn't even come close. No. Like it wouldn't even yeah. be 10000 Yeah. So... Two months in, and yeah. the bank said, your loan is looking pretty good. Um, we can get it done. Just make sure you have the down payment on your end yeah. to make the deal complete. So <laughs> you know, I wasn't too worried. I thought, 
yeah, I, I only have like several thousand saved up, but I can, you know, do other things to make it work. So yeah. I uh, actually used my credit card and put $5,000 on it. Wow. Now, some people might think... I know, I feel like that's a, a bit of a personal finance faux pas. Yeah, it is a faux pas. But if it's the choice of paying interest on a credit card balance or potentially losing 17000 like my deposit, yeah. which I already give to them, yeah, and yeah. It's, it's with the lawyer, then uh, you know I'll take my chances with yeah, the credit just card. you got to do what you got to do to make it happen, It's right? the lesser of two evils. Yeah. So. yeah. Um, so I did that, and I had to sell some stocks, mm-hmm. and I used my margin loan, and I used more of my line of credit, mm-hmm. And I had to open up a home equity line of credit oh, wow. for my condo to yeah. take money out of. In the end, I did manage to get that <laughs> amount saved up, uh, which is nice. I had to take a lot of debt yeah. on to do that, but it was worth it. So two months uh, after signing mm-hmm. that um, and after uh, getting all the down payment I needed, the 25000 uh, the bank called me, mm-hmm. and because it was only like a few weeks or a month left um, before the deal had to be closed, so the bank's like, "Actually, we don't have an appraiser for you, so you're going to have to find one. Oh my gosh. Make them appraise the property, and then get you know get us the information so we can know how much the property is worth, yeah, relatively to other um, properties around there, mm-hmm. and then we can say, okay, what is seventy five percent of that? Because otherwise, yeah. we don't know." Uh, so that was a problem. Yeah. You're uh, like, I just want to buy a farm. Yeah. So <laughs> Why is it so hard? <laughs> I called my you know, lawyer, my realtor. They're all in Saskatchewan mm-hmm. about like ideas. Maybe they knew someone. And I was, in the end, uh, I went to a um, another TD branch. I just mm-hmm. called them up. They're in Alberta. Yeah. And they're actually the ones who are doing... Um, the loan for me. Right. Because uh, they're the commercial branch mm-hmm. of uh, the, the TD Bank. So they said that there's this guy. Mm-hmm. He, he lives around the area where I bought my farm and he is a licensed appraiser of farmland so he can do it. Because oh, awesome. it's very specific. Yeah. Um, it's not the same thing as uh, looking at a home. Yeah. Um, so there are these rules and uh, the way TD want it is... Uh, my bank wanted a special type of appraisal that mm-hmm. had to be in a certain format. I think it's called oh. DMAS or something. So it, it takes a while to do, and then, but this guy said he'll do it, um, or the bank told me. So I just needed to contact this company that this guy works for, and then he should be able to just go out there and appraise the farm and then get that to TD, and then they can give me the loan, and I can give that to my lawyer. Mm-hmm. But this guy was on vacation. Oh, it's just like one thing after the other. Yeah, <laughs> so he wasn't going to be back until a week later. Uh-huh. Not much I can do, so I yeah. waited. Yeah. But as soon as he got back, I told him about my situation. Mm-hmm. I said, you know, hey, there's only a couple weeks left that mm-hmm. I need to get this thing done. Um, can you make it a priority? Yeah. And he said, sure, he'll <laughs> he'll do it. But at that time, there was a um, like a big storm in oh. Saskatchewan, just around the Regina mm-hmm. area where I bought my farm, and uh, it was winter. Mm-hmm. So God, even if yeah. he went out there, like if he could, yeah. he wouldn't see anything. Yeah, exactly. So he had to wait until um, basically a, a few days later. Yeah. So then it was the 
uh, final week now. Oh my gosh! Of uh, the agreement, and it was Monday. So yeah. you know, I called the guy and, and said, "Hey, can you please go out there now and you know do it? What else can you say?" Mm-hmm. So. So it all worked out in the end, though. That's what I'm kind of feeling like because you have the farms now. Yeah, I, I guess uh, <laughs> right now, it yeah, it's I I did end up getting the farm. Um, it was really uh, nerve wracking, though. Yeah, because we got the documents from the uh, loan office at one o'clock Vancouver time. Yeah, but that's two o'clock Alberta time. Yeah. And that's three o'clock mm-hmm. Saskatchewan time where my lawyer lives. So we, we kind of have to juggle three time zones, mm-hmm. which is another issue. But other than that, um, I got the papers. I signed it off real quick. I f- emailed it to my lawyer. She put everything in an envelope after I signed everything again. She put a stamp on it mm-hmm. and mailed it off to the uh, land title registry office. Mm-hmm. And done. Oh my god! So on the last day, it like finally final day, final hour kind of thing. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Tragedy adverted. So knowing all of that, what would you suggest if someone wanted to go the route and you know I want to invest in farmland? What would you <laughs> suggest they do? <laughs> well, first of all, if you're going to buy a farmland directly, like what I did, yeah. it would be really helpful if you didn't use financing, like if you just use cash. Okay. Especially oh, really? if it's cross provincial like this when you're doing this, because um, if I had just if I had 172,000 just lying around, cash, yeah, yeah, farms, yeah, then I would totally just buy the farm. Very simple process. No yeah. need to get a mortgage. Yeah. Because all of this trouble is just because I need a loan. Yeah. Without a loan, you can get through the title office really quick. You just sign documents. Can you do? Because I know with like when we were looking at uh, buying a house, we got pre-approved, and there's like a very kind of structured way in um, getting financing for a, a resident. And it's just like you get pre-approved for a mortgage, and then you mm-hmm. find a place you like it, you bid on it, you get it, you get your mortgage, you get a place. For farmland, can you do that? Is there something like that you can do to just like get your financing in order? Because I doubt many people have like a hundred grand just kicking around. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, to be honest, if I had planned a little better yeah. like beforehand, um, I would have maybe made things a little bit easier for myself. But the thing is like the auction, that was very quick. Like, Yeah, I was so told, it's just like an opportunity kind of came up and you can like say no. Yeah, basically. so I basically wanted that. Yeah, And I knew I could get a way to get it, even if I don't have the available funds right away. Because mm-hmm. as investors, we kind of have to think a little bit like burglars. Okay. We have to <laughs> uh, always be on the lookout for windows of opportunity. Mm-hmm. Right? That's true. And yeah, you can't really wait around for things to happen. You have to kind of you know, be on the lookout for yeah. when things are going to happen. And that seems like kind of what your story is all about is like, found the window to find a condo. You got a condo. You found a window to find farmland. You got a farm now. You have to be proactive about it. Yeah. What comes next? That's like you have time to plan all of the financing out. But yeah, but if you have money um, to begin with uh, in cash, you can do that. If you don't have the money, get a pre-approval first. That will right. make things easier. Mm-hmm. But then you'll run into issues like the appraiser. The bank does not have an internal appraiser as they would for a condo. Mm-hmm. So you have to get your own and that might take some time. Right. So just kind of leave yourself a lot of time. Yep. Um, yeah. But if you wanted to, another way to buy farmland without all the hassle is to just buy a farm fund. Okay. And that's when uh, 
like I was mentioning earlier, investors can pull money in. They use the money to buy farmland, and the manager just manages all that farm, and Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. basically get uh, like quarterly checks. That sounds nice. I like that idea. There is a 2% management fee, right? and then there's a 20% profit-taking by the management team. Mm -hmm. But that's what you pay for, so it works. So I just want to switch gears a little bit. Mm -hmm. So you kind of, it seems like from a very early age, you've kind of set yourself up to be just financially on the right track, which is awesome. So do you kind of have that goal of um, just, you know, saving up as much money and investing your money, you know, um, you know, smartly so you can retire early? Yeah, that's actually a... One of my goals uh, mm-hmm. when I started the blog is to retire early and be financially independent. Mm-hmm. And what does financially independent mean to you? Because I know it probably means different things to different people. Sometimes I know lots of the people that talk about debt and stuff, that's what that means to them. Financially independent means debt-free, but mm-hmm. for you, it means something completely yeah. different. And to some people, financially independent means you're independent from living off your parents. Mm-hmm. Um, but my definition is uh, having enough financial resources to live off of the income that that provides um, without having to work, mm-hmm. without having to actively make money and just have all my expenses paid that way. So, of course, this is a constant uh, moving target because mm-hmm. my expenses change over time. Life changes, you know, life throws crazy things that you can't expect, but still it's always nice to have and important to have a very specific goal. Mm-hmm. And you just make a plan and uh, you put things in place from where you are now and where you want to go. And you just basically execute that plan. Exactly. And so when do you plan on being financially independent or do you have a number of when you hope to retire? I want to be financially independent when I'm 35 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's still seven, eight years away. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it's doable given mm-hmm. what's happening so far. Yeah. yeah. And a big reason is just, I guess I've been lucky with the markets. Um, lucky real and estate. smart, you know. Yeah, they I mean, kind of go hand in hand. A rising tide lifts all boats, mm-hmm. I guess. Like real estate in Canada, really well. Um, mm-hmm. Stock market over the last 10, 20 years, pretty well. Farmland, uh, terrific. And just other investments as well, doing pretty okay. So mm-hmm. I haven't really had a situation where I've lost um, a lot of money or got deterred from my financial freedom plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's that's been really beneficial to me is just being kind of lucky. Lucky, but also, and one of the things that you do so well is you do these different things where you invest in different things. So you diver- you're you know, a very diverse investor, but you also, um, on the other kind of side of it, live frugally. So you're very smart with what you spend your money on. Because also, like, and that makes sense. As an investor, you obviously only want to buy things that benefit you in some way. So why would you buy frivolous things when you could invest that money, right? Yeah, exactly. And it's all about your uh, personal um, choices and mm-hmm. your personality when it comes to money. Uh, like when we're growing up, like when I was growing up, uh, learning about money was very passive. It was just mm-hmm. things that I heard about, things my parents told me. Um, I learned money through stories that I heard from my friends, which was a pretty small circle. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. basically people told me what to do with money. 
And when we're growing up, that's very similar in a lot of households. But as I'm sure anybody listening will know, there are, you know, 35 million people in Canada and every single one of us, like our personal financial situations are different. Mm -hmm. They are unique. So we have to tailor our uh, mindset to match what our unique situations are. And that means going out of our way to not be a passive uh, accumulator of knowledge, but mm-hmm. be more proactive about it. So mm-hmm. if we're in a job, for instance, that has a defined benefit pension, then maybe that means we don't need to uh, buy as much fixed income assets for mm-hmm. retirement because we'll have a lot of that coming from our pension. Yeah. Um, so for someone like that, maybe they can research some other things like budgeting, how to uh, maybe invest in equities, how to diversify that way. And then for people who are you know, just getting started, maybe learn how to track your spending. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a big one. And uh, learn uh, how to track your net worth, what your assets are, because it's uh, basically a universal um, law that what you think about grows. So yep. whatever you put your focus on, if it's your net worth, that's probably going to grow over time. It's worked for many people. It, it's that's weird cool. how it works at first, but it, it's really Sometimes cool it's when like it does. It's like a mental thing. If you believe you can achieve it, you will. And that's part of how I live my life. I always set astronomical goals, things that I don't think I can actually do. And then when I actually do them, I'm like, holy crap, look what I'm capable of. Yeah, and it, that's what drives me in my life. Exactly. that. It's amazing what the, the human will can do and how powerful it is. And I think that is a great moment to end off on. Thank you so much, Liquid, for being on the show today. Um, and if you would like to know more about Liquid's journey and what he's up to these days, he's always investing in something new, check out his blog at freedom35blog.com. And for the show notes for this episode, make sure to go to momoneymohouses.com slash 12. And for all episodes, go to momoneymohouses.com slash podcast. So I hope to see you back here next Wednesday. My episode is going to be with Sarah from unsettled.org. And we're going to be talking about making money online and working for yourself. This podcast is distributed by the Women in Media Podcast Network. Find out more at womeninmedia.network.